Welcome to the Military Mindset for Business show, where we unpack the mysteries of military precision and performance so you can apply these principles in your business. So today's a really important uh, episode as we hit number two. Um, and what it's really about is telling the story of how the military mindset for business, you know, this principle and this way of thinking even came into exist. So today I've got my uh, good friend, business partner, and basically shadow, or we shadow each other in nearly everything that we do in, in business, uh, Matthew Blake Mosley. Mose. Hey, mate. Thanks for having us and thanks for the full name. I don't want to yeah. leave any of the important bits out. No, that's right. So um, Matt and I, our story is almost the same story. Uh, we were in the army together and I'll, I'll get Matt to like share, you know, how we got to this point. Yeah, well, God, it's scary to think that it was probably probably even longer than 15 years ago now. It was probably like, what, 2004, 2005? 2005. Um, yeah, where we both made the decision for different reasons, I suppose, to join the military. Um, and we met each other at a little place called the Royal Military College Duntroon um, down in Canberra, where we were about to undertake our 18th month 18 months of officer training. Um, a long time ago, scary to think how long ago it was now and how young I was back then, but how you're pretty much still the same age. Well, in a, my little story joining the army really quickly was I used to be a farmer in a moment of madness. I rocked up to recruiting in Townsville and basically just signed up and, and ended up at Duntree. And how did, why did you join the army? How did you get there? I think um, I was one of those, you know, underachievers at high school. I never really knew what I wanted to do. I didn't get great results, but in year 10, my mom actually did send away to get um, some information on the army. And then I didn't really think about it again after that. I think they sent through, I think at that time I wanted to be a you know, helicopter pilot. Um, I didn't really know what that meant and it probably wasn't the right fit for me at all. Um, and then while I was at uni, again, I think I was studying social science, not, you know, no offense to those who have done it before, but there's not a lot to it. And I was just sort of doing it because it was pretty much the only degree I could get into. Um, and at the time I saw that there was some scheme in the military where they'd pay for your degree um, if you joined this program. And so I applied for it and basically went through um, and they said, look, your degree is not really what we're looking for, but you know, we think you've got potential, which is pretty much the story of my life. And they said, why don't you, you know, quit uni and come, come to Duntroon next year. So I did and, you know, loved it, but at the time I was just sort of looking for something and that was, that was it. Well, I, I know a lot about you and we've spent like many, 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 almost years together now, but I didn't realize it was your mum that may have been the catalyst to send you to the army. So that's like, is that, is that something saying there that your mum? Well, I did, no, I did, I did ask her and she, yeah, I did ask <laughs> her to send me that stuff, but maybe she wanted to get rid of me. Probably wasn't <laughs> the best of kids at the time. So in that classic officer way of doing things, getting someone else to do something for you is uh, getting mum to, mum to help you do your initial application. Well, that's it. You know, military mindset, it's all about delegation. And I, I was delegating from a young age, so. Oh, brilliant. Hey, so we kicked off. Um, we did Duntrin together. We both graduated uh, both as logisticians. Um, tell us a little bit about our, you know, your story, which is virtually the same as my story, but a slight difference. Yeah, well, you know, did my time at Duntrin. Um you know, got through it. It's a difficult 18 months for anyone who has done it before. Again, you know, being the underachiever I am, I, I actually wanted to go to infantry corps, but the results weren't there at the time. I was 18 to paint the picture, uh, just being introduced to alcohol, just being used to, you know, actually going from earning about, you know, 2K a year to earning, you know, much, much more than that. And probably got a little excited at the time, but still managed to get through, still managed to um, graduate, which I thought was, you know, an achievement enough in itself, especially at that age. Um, but yeah, I wanted to go to infantry corps, didn't get it. It was quite competitive. There was some, I look back at some of the classmates we had that did go to infantry, like all guns, all jets, you know, even, even now still doing amazing things. Um, but I was lucky enough to get transport corps, um, which is, you know, one of the logistics, uh, elements within the military. Um, and, you know, moved on to that, you know, did, your, your list logistics training and moved into a career as a you know logistics officer sort of i suppose majoring um would be the word but yeah my speciality was water and road transport which was was pretty cool and, and i really enjoyed the time 
Now, if anyone knows Canberra, uh, there is a place called Mooseheads down there. And every <laughs> everyone in, uh, that is posted to Canberra gets a little bit of uh, Mooseheads, you know, frequent fire, flyer mileage. But I think Matt had the platinum card. You know, yeah, I was like, up there. <laughs> um, hour of power on a Thursday night. Shout yeah, out hour to Mooseheads. Power on Thursday. Um, many of the uh, downfall of a, a staff cadet. So uh, we got into the army together. We had pretty cool careers. Uh, like for me, it was the best job. I ever had in my life. I was also a logistics officer, um, which was Ramey, which is the Royal Australian Electrical and Mechanical Engineers, um, which is a really cool job because I had some really clever, smart tradies, but I didn't know how to do their job. Like their technicians, I wasn't. Um, and some great experiences, including, uh, and I don't mean to say this to gloat, but I am <laughs> going to gloat, nearly spending my whole career in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. So, yeah. What a ripoff. Uh, yeah, and that oh. is that is like just so everyone's aware that is unheard of. It's pretty much done through like wheeling and dealing. Like I did my time. I went to Canberra, went to Townsville, posted to Darwin, back to Townsville, finally got back to Sydney while you know Pete's just sitting down on Oxford Street drinking his little lattes and okay. you know probably doesn't even know what field is, to be honest. Hey, don't tell me about hardship. I did two years in Holsworthy uh with the mighty old faithful uh third battalion, three RAR before I did then transfer and, um, and spend the rest of my career in the Eastern suburbs. Uh, and th- enough of that though is uh, like in, in a classic story in the military of individual experiences do vary. Um, and, you know, it's just really such a broad career. You know, we've got you now the valiant warfighters who are, you know, out the front leading the charge through, you know, to us noble logisticians that are, you know, right there behind them, supporting them. And like literally for us, it was, um, well, for me, it was the best job of my career. You know, we both had the pleasure of, uh, I say pleasure, of, of deploying to Afghanistan plus some other uh, East Timor. You had a pretty cool boat trip. Now, tell us about your boat yep. trip. Yeah, attached to the UK Navy and Marines around the Middle East for two and a half months. I was lucky enough to be on the flagship. So, you know, there was basically a fleet of about you know, 15, 20 ships sailing around the Middle East. Most of the ships didn't see land. We came alongside and did um different events and different engagements at pretty much every port you know pretty much from creed all the way up into dubai abu dhabi qatar oman got to pakistan got to india while a lot of the other ships were just you know floating along on the sea we got to to get alongside and check out the different elements and i think that's one of the great things about the military um the 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 you know differences of jobs and the sort of vast uh you know, elements that you're exposed to, you know, coming from transport core, getting to, you know, start at road transport up at Darwin, moving to water transport, where I had pretty much the coolest title, I think, biased in the military. I was called the Beach Master. Beach Master. Sounds, beach master. sounds like, this sounds like definitely something that rocks Kuji and Bondi, you know, That's on the it. weekend. The That's Beach it. Master. The Beach Master, which was a pretty cool title. And basically what that was, was you were the link between the Navy and, and the Army in terms of the logistic link. Um, but, you know, you got to do all those things and experience all those things. And, you know, I was pretty lucky because a lot of people, when they do deploy, they go to, to war zones. I got a few trips, you know, with being attached to the UK, where I got to see some pretty cool places of the world as well. They weren't just, you know, fighting and um, disaster going on. Yeah, picking up some of those countries. So um, after a time on the love ship, so I mean the flagship of Her Majesty's <laughs> Navy. Um, yep. so the Queen, the King. The Queen, we, the King now. We got back to, uh, so we basically, after our separate trips to Afghanistan and got back, we were on a course down um, in Aubrey-Wodonga, uh, logistics officers advanced course, which I think was combined with the one of the arms corps advanced courses and we basically it was a five week how to p- plan a brigade attack maybe um yeah planning course was it definitely a planning course but basically you know the whole part of it is to you know advance you as a logistics officer um the big component is you know how to plan properly how to plan deliberately um and how to you know interact with the different elements so it's not just focusing on your one lane it's about looking at the different elements in the battle space um, and being able to make sure that they all interact they all work together um, and that's why you sort of get attached to um you know the different elements and you know it's a long course it's a it's a difficult course it's a lot of theory it's a lot of planning um and you know as lovely as aubrey is 
it is pretty cold down there and it's pretty far away from Sydney where, you know, me and Pete were posted at the time. Funny, that course was probably the first time that we really crystallized military training and started to applying it to business concepts. Like at that time, we were definitely still full-timers, uh, set down the career path, but we had, well, I really was at that course where we both realized that we had this inkling or passion to make a transition and go into business one day. Uh, and, and I that think course that's, was, yeah, after you. I don't think it's really important because, you know, the military is a great job, but like you said before, everyone's experiences differ. And, you know, there came a time and it was at that time that we both sort of realized that, you know, that we did love what we were doing. We were ready to look at something else. Yeah. Um, and in that course, like we traveled back, you know, from Albury to Sydney, back and forward every weekend. So left course knockoff now five o'clock on a Friday hour, but it's a significant drive back to Sydney. We're looking at five hours or so in uh, the beast, which was the red rocket with what a no rate. What yeah, a car. Um, I, I still don't remember whether it had a radio or not, but it didn't have a good radio and five yeah. hours of relatively, you know, you're a good bloke, but it's a long time to be stuck in a car. Yeah, you can't be on. You can't be on for five hours straight. You know, you can't be like, you can't be blending down funnies and, <laughs> you know, having great conversation for five hours straight. That's for sure. Okay, and it was in these car rides that we actually thought, like, how are we literally going to pass the time together? Um, how are we going to kill that time between the Sydney and back every week? So, so we basically said, why don't we use these principles? Literally, the principles that we just learnt the week before about how to do a brigade advance and phase lines and all these different decisive events and cool military acronyms and thought, let's have a crack at building a business plan using exactly this model. And that's the thing too, because obviously at the time you go on these courses and, you know, you get, you get told to do, you know, the military appreciation process and you, you're pretty much hating life while you're doing it a lot of the time because <laughs> you're going through it and you're like, oh, I just can't be bothered. You know, you've got... <laughs> this guy's really into it and he wants to get a good mark and, you know, I'm sort of keen, but I've got my eye on something else. But the funny thing was when we were in the car, I was loving it. And I was like, this is like the best thing ever. Yeah. And I like really enjoyed those car rides, even though that when we got back to base, we had to do the exact same thing. And I would go back to being like, Oh, I can't be bothered. And again, it's a funny thing, you know, like the, the military is such an amazing job to be a part of the people that you connect with the purpose, the passion behind it all. The training gets top notch, um, but we were at that point of transition. And, and I'd been sitting on this idea for many years because, uh, sorry, about 18 months, driving home from Victoria Barracks in uh, Eastern Sydney along one of the main roads, I heard something pop up on the radio and it was the New South Wales government has just passed legislation to say that every apartment in the state needs a window lock. So as I'm driving down the road, being the ideas guy that I am, I'm like, man, there's got to be a lot of windows in Sydney. And as Mose and I were driving back and forward, um, uh, Aubrey, I was like, I'd been sitting on this idea and I knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. Like I'm just not good personally at getting things done. And I took an approach where I said, well, better to share something than keep all of nothing to myself. So that became the, the essence of what is secure windows. Yeah, and Pete would have probably straight away drove home and jumped on GoDaddy or something like something else like that and, uh, you know, reserved the URL. So if anyone out there is looking for a random URL, Pete probably already owns it and he'll sell it to you for a very competitive price, no doubt. <laughs> I've got about 20 of them up my sleeve. Yeah, no, I definitely got a few. Um, but yeah, so that was Secure Windows was started in that car ride. Um, from your perspective, tell us about, where you were in transitioning from the military into that, into that business. Yeah. Well, I think at that time I knew I wanted to get out. I knew I wanted to get into to business. I'd always had an eye for it. You know me, I don't read too many books, but at that time I was reading a lot of books around, you know, self-employment, entrepreneurship for our work weeks, all that type of good stuff. Um, and I knew that's where I wanted to go, but at the same time, I'm not the ideas guy. Like, you know, Pete will have an idea every four seconds pretty much. Not saying that those ideas are great. Some are, you know, by probably, yeah, they need to be filtered. Um, but I was just probably looking for something to sink our teeth into. And I suppose what I really liked about the secure windows thing and, you know, where the applications of what we learn in the military is, you need to understand that at the time, 
like secure windows and and the the legislation around window locks it's not an easy business it's not something that we had prior knowledge in it's not like we decided we were going to get out and go do you know consulting to the military around our profession secure windows was something completely different there were so many different facets to it and there were so many different things to consider and at the time we didn't even know what they were um and the great thing is we used you know the the MAP the military appreciation process and pretty much the principles that we've learned um through our career to go through this planning process and we did it really deliberately um and we really went through the steps and we got a lot out of it and it was actually quite amazing to see the applications that it had for a real-time business we almost did it subconsciously um you know sorry it was a blend of conscious and subconscious here there were deliberate actions as you said through we went through the military appreciation process we developed things like phase lines in terms of if we haven't achieved this point by now, then we will stop doing it or we'll switch targets. However, if we do achieve the objectives of this at this point, we'll push on. And then we just kept meeting more and more goals and, and pushing on. Um, having said that, the military mindset for business model wasn't formed. That that came a little bit later in terms of what we've got today, but. Go through a bit of the growth and what were the key drivers of accidental growth in secure windows um, and where that business went to. Yeah, well, I just want to come back to the planning process because I think there's a bit more to talk about with that because I think, you know, at the time, obviously there was the military side of it where, you know, you had elements of the MAP, which include like, you know, terrain analysis, enemy, enemy analysis, course of action analysis, a range of different things. Obviously, those things don't directly tie in like terrain. When the military is talking about the terrain, they're talking about hills, creeks, buildings, things like that. But we were able to sort of, you know, mash that into rather than looking at, you know, what hills are around for secure windows. It's more like looking at the operating space. Similarly, for like enemy analysis, we didn't look at who our enemies were. We looked at who our competitors were. And then we're able to go through the planning steps to really build that out. And in the end, we had a pretty comprehensive plan where like pete said it was all phased it was all done so you know if we can get to this point if we can we will keep going if we can't and there's any hold up by a certain timeline we'll just walk away and we'll go and do something else but we just kept hitting those marks and you know the business went from you know three to 30 staff in the first 18 months we had it to you know multi seven figures in revenue like super quick um and one of the decisive things in terms of our future uh, was winning the first Prime Minister's Veteran Employment Award for Veteran Employer of the Year. Tell us about going to those DVA forums and, and understanding this piece about military and veteran entrepreneurship. Yeah, so I think like after we won that award, um, you know, which was amazing to win, uh, you know, we still remember going down to Parliament House that night and, you know, being around all those other amazing businesses and those amazing individuals politicians, um, you know, war heroes, um, and looking back on that. And it was a great point for us as a business. Um, and we were able to take down to our two other business partners, you know, Ryan Hall and Marty Fleedner, who, you know, had a great time down there as well. But I suppose after we won that, it did open, open up a lot of doors, um, you know, especially to getting invited to DVA forums and DVA events. And we really found as we went to those events that a lot of the discussion was around, individuals transitioning and transitioning to get a job or to move into a government role rather than to transition into running their own business. And we saw that as a, as a gap pretty much in, you know, what we believed that a lot of people wanted to do. Yeah, this is, um, and this, the opportunities for veterans and people out of the military, you know, to go into innovative careers and start their own businesses and get entrepreneurship. Like always, I love telling one of my favorite stories, which is, Two private soldiers who fought at Gallipoli survived that campaign. Then they went to France in the Western Front, and they were offered to go and do a cutting-edge technology technology military course, which was learn how to fly, like unheard of at the time, 1915 or something. Uh, they took those skills, and when they left the military, moved out to Western Queensland, bought a little plane, and using their skills that they learned in the military, founded Qantas, which is you know a national icon. Now, some of the other companies out there, like JB Holland, um, you know Dan Murphy is one of everybody's favourites. Uh, 
Coles Meyer Group. These are all massive businesses started by veterans. And even now we've got, um, you know, we've got thousands, tens of thousands of veteran-owned businesses in Australia out there, largely unrecognized, largely unrecognized, still contributing you know, to the community through their businesses. So Matt, tell us uh, about VCBC, what it is and why we kicked it off. Yeah, well, I think, you know, after going to those forums, we really identified the fact that, um, you know, there wasn't a voice there for it. And we created a little Facebook group. I think we got to, you know, like a thousand people on there. It was quite active, you know, quite quickly. Um, and just sort of from there, we, we just didn't really take it too formally, too seriously, but after a bit of research, a bit of, you know, investigation, seeing how other countries had, had, had done it, we realized that, you know, in Australia, apart from probably um, the Prince's Trust, there wasn't really any organizations that were um, focused on, you know, veteran entrepreneurship or veteran self-employment. Um, and so, you know, we decided that something more formal was probably needed um, and that, you know, this would be a good vehicle to be able to support veterans and their spouses um, in moving into entrepreneurship or supporting their growth while they're already on that journey. So the Veteran Community Business Chamber, um, Maddie and I kicked this off really uh, as something that, for us to share for, for either veterans or partners with existing businesses. How do we connect and support your identification and, and, and help win work because you are a great you know, veteran business, uh, but also for people in the military, you know, providing you some shining lights. And there's, there's thousands of great examples out there of if you choose a different path, and you don't want to get a job and you want to start your own business. Like we've got some, you know, some great examples out there. So anyone interested in veteran community business chamber, hit us up on Facebook, socials, uh, vcbc.org.au and, and come and check it out. Um, but I'm going to bring it back to the, this military mindset for business model and how we've been able to really crystallize and articulate this into an actual framework now. And, Going through the furnace of secure windows where we did pretty well, but man, we left millions of dollars of revenue on the table because we're pretty well cuffing it. We sort of made a lot of mistakes. We made lots of mistakes. So, Um, and it was really on reflection of that experience in our first business uh, and the, the desire to not make those mistakes twice that we crystallized this model of military mindset for business and it's now been directly applied into how we founded um, Trust the Process. So, um, Mose, just give us a quick rundown on Trust the Process and what that business does. Yeah, so I suppose after our time um, in Secure Windows, we basically got to a stage where all the window locks in New South Wales were put on. Um, you know, we would have installed thousands upon thousands of them. Um, hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands even. Heaps. And, you know. Oh, just, hold, just hold that thought. How many window locks did you put on most? Oh, I made too many to count. <laughs> I'm not very good with the drill. Okay, everyone knows their strengths and their weaknesses. Um, I did follow most around. Did not put, most did not put one window lock on. Not one. Like literally, out of hundreds. Of, and he takes that as a uh, you know as a as a accolade, not a distraction. But um, well, I just again play- delegate. Delegation is a, has always been a passion of mine. Um, and so I just knew that, you know, it was better off someone else to do it than me. I didn't want to, I didn't want to break any of those windows. It cost too much money every time we cracked a window. The, the epitome of delegation and, uh, but well, well played on that. So, so back to, back to, uh, the transition. Yeah, so, so yeah, we got to the stage where, you know, we'd had put all the window locks on and any new building, um, that was being built, the builders were putting it on. So there wasn't really any requirement there for secure windows. We did look into compliance. We looked into a few other areas, but we realized, our passion didn't really lie there. And I suppose one of the important things that we did learn during secure windows is as well, is we learned to embrace, you know, the military aspect of, of business. And we did have a point probably after that car ride where we turned our backs a little bit on, you know, using military principles. And there was one point where we were doing okay. We might've had 10 or 15 staff, but we were struggling with process. And it wasn't until we reflected and went back on, you know, what we'd learned in the military and put that into secure windows that we really saw a dramatic shift. Um, And, you know, that military aspect was a huge part. And probably the other big aspect was our ability to um, utilize virtual assistance from the Philippines. And we were able to do this through a Filipino cadet that came through Duntroon with us. And he introduced us to one of his good friends, uh, a lady named Day. 
um, and day started with us two hours a day and now she's full-time and now trust the process she's head of operations um, but basically with all that stuff we learned sort of two key lessons the importance of military principles and process and we also learned the importance of delegation and you know specifically through um you know offshore workers from the philippines so we took those things we looked at maybe moving secure windows into something else but basically we thought look this is what we want to do um, and we realized where our passion lie and that lay with helping small businesses so we started with trust the process and we do a couple of key things there but it's all based around our systemize automate delegate mantra um, systemize through process delegate or sorry automate through platforms and delegate through people and so basically we um, help small businesses systemize and taking that i think that systemize automate delegate was really the crystallization for what we have now is the five pillars of the military mindset for business which are our purpose planning platforms people and process right so uh, so we understood that you know in order to operate in your higher space you've either got to create good systems or good process to be able to have consistency then after that we've got to use automation and technology and the platform as best as possible and again, you've got to have the right people. Now, I've got to, when we went down the outsourcing route and uh, you know integrated a lot of these amazing you know offshore team members, it was actually a massive driver for our uh, ability to hire Australians. When we were able to shift that balance of, of the basically the the wages load, it created up it freed up so much cash that we were actually able to tenfold our Australian workforce by having better efficiencies running through. Um, but I want to talk now about the five pillars of military mindset and the ways that we've applied them, um, you know, through our various businesses, because this is the, some of the key takeaways uh, for others, um, you know, at the end of the show. So first of all, let's talk about purpose. Now, when we first got into purpose, we didn't really believe in what vision and mission values were. So can you explain to me in your words, what vision, mission and values are and how when you sincerely believe in them, what they do for business. Yeah, I think, you know, this was something too that in the military, they had a lot of this stuff around, you know, commander's intent, vision, um, one up, two up and all that stuff. And at the time as well, you know, sometimes I was guilty of thinking, you know, maybe it's just a little bit token, but I think, you know, after maturing a little bit, you realize how important it really is because this stuff drives the entire direction of your business. And so I suppose in the first instance, you have your vision, you know, your why statement, your purpose for why you're doing it. And this really is the overarching element for everything in your business. Underneath that, you have your mission and your mission is how you achieve that why, how you achieve that purpose. And then obviously underneath that, you've got your values, which are a list of um, aspects, elements, um, things within your business that really should drive everything. And combined, that should be able to guide how your business operates and should be able to drive decision-making from within the business because they should be able to look at th those vision, mission, values and use that to guide them to make the right decision. That, that's really important, um, especially the decision-making part. The military is all about purpose. And when you're in the military, you, you just feel that you're, you're a part of something bigger. And the military is really good at nesting mission statements. Like, for example, the mission of the Australian Army, last time I checked, was to win the land battle. Okay, so that's what the Army's purpose is. And then all the way down through the various brigades and battalions and the companies, your individual mission just keeps nesting down until you understand what your piece of that purpose is. Um, in Trust the Process, our vision is to empower people to focus on their passion. And the way we do that is through our mission, which is elite performance through people, processes, and platforms. But our core values, which are the non-negotiables, brilliant at the basics, one team, many places. Matt's favorite one, work smarter, not harder. Um, speak up, your voice matters. And this is really important because we've got a global team of hundreds of people now. Uh, and, and my favorite, we practice what we preach. And what Matt said before about decision-making is really important, is anyone on our team is allowed to make a decision according to their risk threshold, but they have to read our vision and mission values first. And if they're about to make a decision based on those vision and mission values, it's a very powerful way to deliver tempo and maneuver in the business, to be able to take advantages of opportunities that might be fleeting. Okay, so we want to 
really infuse that lower level decision making you know, to everybody in the team so we can really grasp opportunities as they arise. Um, so and purpose is critical. Um, I'll just add to that with the purpose side as a real-time example from, you know, back in secure windows days. Um, probably one of the things that really lost us the most money was our um, mistakes we made with recruitment and hiring. At the time, we were we were growing quite quickly. Um, we had to work there 100%. But we got to a stage where we would hire anyone with a drill. And we would be like, okay, cool. You can point, you, you can point to me what a drill looks like. You're hired. And at the time that we did have, you know, we did have a vision, mission, values. We were just focused on growth. We weren't thinking about anything else. And the problem with that is, you know, training up a new staff member would take away our best installer, which means they'd be putting on less locks. And over the space of probably three months, we probably went through about maybe 10 to 15 staff that we had to either fire due to performance, attitude, you know, or a range of different things, or they would just disappear. And it wasn't until we stopped and paused and we went, look, we're not hiring the right type of person. And we looked at it and we had probably about 20, 25 staff who fit in perfectly with the culture, fit in perfectly with our vision, mission, values. And we went, you know what, let's just keep it like this, keep it at the 25. There's no point to keep pushing it further. And it wasn't until then that we realized that, you know, we had 25 great guys who fit in the vision, mission, values that we actually went from, you know, losing a lot of money to starting to make profit and making, you know, great headway. And it's it's funny you came before you mentioned before about being token. There is, you probably come up with a token statement first, uh, and then you test and adjust it and test and adjust it. But it's when you finally form those combination of words that represent the founders that the founders are accountable to as well. That really become it. It really infuses who you are as a business and why you get things done. Um, and for me now, I'm a full believer in this stuff. You know, like if you don't fit our vision, mission, values, you're not part of the team. Mm. Um, that's pretty straightforward. Uh, purpose. The next thing we've got in our pillars of the military mindset is one thing that we almost do entirely in the military that we almost, well, the, what I've seen is very, very, very poorly done in business. And that is planning. Right. So when, when we're in the military, particularly as senior uh, non-commissioned officers and as officers, you probably spend most of your time either doing planning or planning for exercises or planning for, it's all we actually ever, ever do. Mm. And I think one of the key differences that the military does planning that we need to apply to business is, the, um, is current operations, future operations, and then we separate planning from that as well. So I just want to quickly explain current operations is everything that you do today in your revenue cycle. It's doing your marketing. It's, it's creating a sale. It's rostering your team. It's building the product. It's uh, delivering that product. It's getting paid. It's doing your accounts receivable. It's everything that you do day to day to day uh, to deliver your product. So, and it may be from now to about two or three months in the future. So that's what we call current operations. But it's our ability to break out of current operations and the weeds of today and start planning for tomorrow, which we call future operations, which might be three to 12 months away, and further to that actual plans, which might not even happen for a year or two away, that we really start driving business growth. Um, can you just share uh, some examples of current, future, current and future operations within how we do business? and particularly planning and what some of our goals. Yeah, I think this is really important stuff as well because, you know, how many business owners out there are just stuck in the day-to-day? And, you know, a lot of them are just focused on, you know, getting that next job, getting that next, um, you know, invoice out that they don't look forward. And without looking forward, how can you possibly grow? So I suppose like in terms of talking about, you know, current operations, you know, depending on what you are, like for us, it might be our next HubSpot build. So we're looking at, we win a HubSpot job, you know, we implement CRMs, you know, current operations for us is what CRMs are we building this week? And, you know, it's very easy to get the blinkers on for that. Um, when you're talking about, you know, future operations, you're looking at stuff probably three to six months down the track. So continuing on with, you know, the CRM side, maybe in three to six months, we want to develop a potential to maybe create integrations or, you know, build our own custom sort of platforms. And that's something that's going to be six months away. 
if we don't start thinking about that now, it's not going to happen in six months. And then future plans might be along the lines of, again, keeping to the same method. We might want to create our own CRM down the track, which we don't, but you know, it might be something along that line. And that's something that if I don't start planning for it today, or if I want it to happen in five years, I need it to start today. So we need to start the planning cycle for that. It's really challenging for business owners to find the time to dedicate the time to create those plans. Um, and one thing that's really important with planning is uh, when we actually have a plan and we lay it out on the table and we phase it out and we understand the, you know, the steps that it's going to take us to get there. So we create the plan and then we start thinking about what could go wrong. What are some of the redundancies here? And that's what really is the difference between military planning and business planning. So a lot of businesses just, they might plan their one, you know, three months, one year, three year goals, but they don't say, so what? In the military, if we were to go out and attack a hill, we have to consider the, so what? We have to consider what happens if there's a tank hidden in the bushes? What happens if there's an obstacle that we can't cross? How do we still achieve our mission with all of the possibilities of what could go wrong rather than just pretending greenfields that everything's going to be fine. Now we're going to really get some, there's some good speakers coming up in following podcasts. We're going to really unpack military planning and how we apply it to business. But again, if you want to get out of the weeds for day of the day today and have your business grow, you've got to dedicate the time to operate in future operations and to put in time to develop your plans of things that aren't going to happen. Um, after we do planning, we've got to have process. So processes for me is about consistency. And this is the third pillar of the military mindset. Process is how do we capture excellence and repeat? How do we uh, rapidly find the best way to do something and then deliver that with consistency? So most in, in particularly in secure windows and fastidiously now in trust the process, name, hence the name of the business, trust the process, but we are all about process, performance, and improvement for ourselves, not just mm. for others. And yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of the time when people say process, they think of dirty words. They think of these crazy operations manuals that you need to spend four or five months doing. And I suppose the thing about process is like Pete said, it's about how do you develop consistency? And to come back to the army, I still remember the process that they put in place for when you get shot at. Obviously, me and Pete were never shot at, but you know, when you do basic training and it's run down, crawl, observe, aim, fire. And it's as simple as that. It's just an actions on drill that if you get shot at, you run, you crawl, you observe, you aim, you fire. And I still remember that. Then it just comes out, it comes out so easily because it's you know, it's imprinted in you. I suppose in business, you know, when you're talking about process, um, especially small business and even to medium-sized business, people can be quite apprehensive about it because it does take a lot of work, but we're not talking about developing these complex, you know, operations manuals. Because the thing about small businesses, especially is you're always evolving, you're always changing, but how can you really capture that ex excellence? And then you know, provide that consistency so that everyone in the business, when something happens, can then straight away go and do it without thinking and do it in the same manner. So you're not going to have issues or errors. I think that I keep coming back to that word consistency, like process improvement performance. It sounds super dry, super stale, you know, even though I love it, because if I can develop great processes, I can delegate them. If you have consistency in what you do and you have the best way to do something and you can capture that, you can delegate it. So that's why, you know, Matt and I love process, but think of it in this word consistency. It's so easy in business to go down different pathways to have the same kind of client, but deliver them, you know, do something different to last time. Consistency is the key to everything in creating simplicity. Okay. And consistency, like where I come back from um, to have a general's mindset, uh, I've got a statement that is, a general needs control. Okay. In the military, when we think of a general, someone who potentially is in charge of five or 10 or 20,000 people and has the ability to control their destiny in a swipe of their pen. If there's one thing you look at a general, it's control, right? But how do you get control? It's two parts. Control, you need consistency. When a general gives orders or instructions, he knows how they are going to be completed. 
But what he also needs is visibility. He knows how they need to get, sorry, he needs to know that they have been done or she needs to know that, that they've been done. So the general's mindset equation, control equals consistency plus visibility. And consistency comes through our processes. Now, visibility leads us on to the next pillar of the military mindset, which is platforms. So most tell us about how we use platforms in business and how we use platforms to create an advantage to win. Yeah, well, I think like for me, platforms is really the things that pulls everything together. Um, you know, and when we speak of platforms, we're basically talking about, you know, what, and usually just off the shelf, like CRMs, accounting software, proposal Te- software, technology. pretty much like what we would, yeah, technology, what we would class in the military is like your operating systems. Um, these things are where you can really make your processes and really drive consistency throughout the business. And what we talk about is like, as an example, a sales process. So rather than having a sales process up in your mind, you've got your sales process in your CRM. And so there's key steps, key tasks, key emails that need to be sent along the journey. And it's consistent and it's standardized and it's controlled. And this means that when you get a new staff member in through your system or through your platform, they obviously would require training and they would require some development, but they should be able to come in jump into the CRM, take a client or a lead through the sales process, following the key steps, ticking them off as you go. And that there will give you what you need to have that consistency within the business. In the military, platforms are game-changing. If you bring a tank to a infantry fight, if you bring a a combat-armed helicopter to the situation, a person with the right platform can be game changing in the way that you win. So in business, our application of the most appropriate of the best platform to use can create the same advantages over our competitors. Now, one of the key principles of the military is information to create intelligence. And if we get the right information in, we can convert it into a form that we can use to make decisions. And this is where I come back to the visibility piece. Your platforms should be the key driver of information gathering in your business. Uh, You're the master CRM builder and dashboard uh, builder. Tell us about how we get information to create intelligence to make decisions in our business. Yeah, I think obviously data is king. um, And I think that all data should drive your decision making. Um, you know, within the business and within, you know, platforms, you've got the element to be able to drive that data in. And it's little things like when it gets to certain stages, you know, why did we win this deal? Is it because of certain reasons? And by having those fields present, then you can report on them. I think, you know, one of the biggest issues in businesses is they don't use the data to decide that it's, sorry, say it again. They don't use data to drive their decision-making. They're using the field. They're using their own intuition, which is sometimes fine, but in the end, you can't argue with the facts and what's there. And it'll paint a very clear picture of what's going on in your business, but without it, it really sets yourself up for failure. Yeah. And I think uh, it's critical and having this right information, like if you were doing a an advance on a hill again, and you weren't getting the information feeds, if you weren't looking for intelligence to let you know that you're about to be ambushed, now, it's a recipe for disaster. So we use the information that we receive from our platforms to be able to allow us to make decisions. So we started off with purpose, why we exist. Then we went through planning, and that's how we're going to get there. Then we spoke about processes, which is all about how driving consistency. We've, we've had a bit of a chat about platforms, but last and not least, people is, is, is the critical thing here. For me, people is the capstone on the military mindset for business and how we combine the first four Ps and empower our people is really the make or break in in, in what we do. And the first thing I've got to say about people is recognizing our strengths and weaknesses. I've been lucky enough to have a business partner and colleague and mate that absolutely complements everything that I'm not good at, you know, few and far between, but you're good at all that. And vice versa, just, you know, so many business owners are out there driving things by themselves. Just just go through how we as a, you know, double-headed monster of a business effectively run, you know, our businesses. 
Yeah, and I think it's obviously fine to do it yourself. Like I'm obviously pretty biased. I prefer to have a business partner because there's a lot of stresses, a lot of things to worry about. And yeah, I think it is important to offset your skills. But more importantly than that, if you are going to work with someone, I think the key is to have clear and defined roles. And without that, that's where you do get the, you know, the two-headed monster. I think in a lot of businesses, you see them, you know, fail because they're both arguing the same point, fighting the same issue, trying to do the same thing. And I think the thing we've always been good at, even from, you know, secure windows days, is we've always had really clear and defined roles. And then we've also gave the respect to those roles as required. So depending on, you know, what we're actually doing and depending on um, the element that it's in, if you're responsible for that, you have overall say. Now I still get my buy-in, I still get my opinion, but in the end it comes down to that individual's decision. Yeah, in our first business, as I was the CEO of uh, Secure Windows, and to be honest, I didn't do a good job. Uh, like I really uh, took too much of my army behavior, uh, too much of an autocratic style across that business, and really, you know, didn't do the best job. So now we're in uh, trust the process. Matt's the CEO, so even though I'm co-owner and co-founder and all of that, I play my role, which is you know in the team space, I'm, I'm a head of department. But I'm more than happy to, to play that role and be, to use the term, subservient to the structure. Because again, military mindset for business, organizational hierarchy and the general's mindset is the vessel about how we drive purpose and planning and, and process and actually get things done through that organizational hierarchy structure. So the other, the other thing that we've got here when we're looking at people, and I guess the most powerful lesson that I learned from the military with people management is mission command and the art of delegation um, operating in your higher space. Most tell us in your words, how did you get to run you know, this business? And for me, I don't see you really doing too much, to be honest, um, <laughs> but it seems to run pretty well. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, when it comes to small business, especially, you know, how many people do you hear saying like lines along the lines of, you know, I can't let someone else do that. It's just easier if I do it myself. Um, no one can do it like I can. You know, I don't think I've ever said that. And, you know, that's probably one of my strengths. So I'm quite happy to delegate things off. And I think there's definitely merit and merit in that because when you start a business, it is your baby. You know, you grow it up from nothing. But I think the important thing about people and, you know, especially delegation and mission command is you need to understand that you can't get to a certain level by doing it all yourself. And you need to let go of things. And funnily enough, pretty much all these principles of the five, five P's, if you do them, it'll give you more control in your business and probably, you know, specifically to people. If you can set up ways to get people to do, you know, the tasks that you were doing or delegate to them in an effective way, you will get more control of the business because that will then allow you to step back, view what other people are doing. And obviously when you say that, you don't just give it, give them a task and then let them go. You set, you know, a duty statement, you set processes, you set KPIs so that you can monitor it and you use that data to be able to, to view it in, in an easy and clear way. Um, and by doing that, it will give you much more control of your business. So let's unpack the five P's and how they're, sorry, the four P's and how they relate to the fifth, right? Purpose. If your people understand who you are and why, why you exist, it gives them a shining light into the distance of where they're aiming for. Planning, if your people can buy in and understand the plan, they'll know the direction how to get to that shining light. Process, if you can create consistency in what you do, your people can understand you know, the framework of what they need to do day to day with consistency and not live in a vacuum <clears throat> of confusion. Then it comes to platforms. Platforms are the piece, as Matt said, that ties it together to give us visibility what everyone does. But coming back to mission command, one of the, my favorite things is to empower people. And mission command is all about pushing decision-making and responsibility down to the lowest possible level within somebody's you know, risk threshold. There's a couple of things we need for mission command to work. First of all, we need consistency and process. Okay. We need a shared understanding of what's going to happen. We need trust. Okay. We need great teams in that we can actually trust the people to do what we can do. Um, it is the antithesis of micromanagement. 
we empower people who are great at their job to come up with the plans to do their job. Um, a real simple way that you can apply mission command in your business. Instead of telling somebody how to do their job, give them an effect or an end state of what the job will look like when it's completed. Okay. Let's just say they've got a month to do a project. What you first thing you do is you say, look, here is your outcome and here's the resources that you've got to achieve it. Go away and write me a plan and bring that plan back to me in two or three days and let me understand your plan. So immediately you've been able to delegate to somebody how they're going to actually create their own journey. You haven't had to worry and spend all that time writing that work for them. They come back to you with a plan and this is how you maintain control. It's what we call the back brief. So when they give you the plan, you've now got the authority to test and adjust and to guide and mentor and teach people how to adjust their plan to achieve your goals. Then let them go ahead and execute the plan after you've given them your, your guidance. So it's a really empowering way to give people the autonomy to do a great job at what they're probably better than you at doing anyway. So people for me, like it, we use the four P's being purpose, planning, process, and platforms to really empower our people to do a great job. And that's the essence of the military mindset. Yeah, I think you can't really, um, you couldn't yeah, overvalue the concept of mission command just because of the fact that it really lets staff members buy in. It really gives them um, empowerment within the business and you'll see better results. And it's also a great way to develop your staff members as well because quite often they might not be at that level where they are ready to maybe do that task as good as you. But with your interaction and with constant back briefs, it can be a great way to upskill them and get them to that level. So if you're a veteran business owner or you're in the military and you're keen about business, go and check out the Veteran Community Business Chamber, www.vcbc.org.au, and you'll also find us on all, all the suite of socials. Uh, this show has been brought to you by Trust the Process, www.trusttheprocess.com.au. If you want to find more, uh, more out about Matt and I and what we do, come check us out. But the whole point of this Military Mindset for Business series is to actually meet great people who have got amazing insights about how they've put this into practice in their own businesses. So stay tuned to the next episode as we unpack the mysteries of military precision and performance and give you the tools that you can apply into your own business. Thanks, Matt. Cheers.